0: Today we're reading Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. When Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest. Offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news of him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Um, where did the hills go? Are they gone? Oh, okay. Well, I won't say anything. Oh, the hills are still here. Different, different hills. Love you guys. <laughs> Brett Brett, and Nicole. So glad you're not going anywhere. Um, so we're in Luke's gospel, as most of you know, this fall and into the new year. And uh, right now we're, looking at, we're taking three weeks to look at these moments where, where Jesus encounters individuals. And we're seeing how Jesus transforms individual people's lives, how he brings healing, wholeness, relationship, community. So two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the call of Peter and the fishermen, how he took these guys and completely transformed their lives, set them on a whole new journey. And today we're looking at Jesus and this man who has leprosy. And a very simple, short passage. I'm going to try to keep it simple and sweet today. And we're going to look at what Jesus did to this man's life. So all I want to do this morning is I want to consider this man with leprosy and just talk about him for a moment and consider his life. And then I want to consider Jesus and how Jesus responds to this man. All right? So let's look at this man for a second. Uh, Verse 12 describes him as being covered with leprosy, and so I want to think together about what that would have meant for this man. It's pretty easy just to read right over that little phrase, but he is covered with leprosy. I want to talk about what that meant physically, what that meant socially, what that meant spiritually for this man, all right? So uh, uh, physically speaking, um, that word that gets translated leprosy, we're now told, could cover a variety of skin conditions in the first century. Some of which are still around today. Um, Classic leprosy, we know it now as Hansen's disease. I'm going to show you a picture of some hands that have leprosy. So I'm just a little forewarning. Um, I tried to pick one that was um, accurate but not too crazy. Um, So classic leprosy. This man, it said he is covered in leprosy, So whatever he has, he is in an advanced stage of some skin disease. Classic leprosy creates um, these deformities of the skin. It also attacks the nervous system and your extremities, so you lose your feeling, which is the real danger of leprosy. You start bumping into things, or you get cut, or you get burned, and you don't know what's happening. Pain, it turns out, is actually really good for us. When you lose that sense of pain, uh, it causes all sorts of problems. Um, So this man physically um, has this skin condition probably all over his body that uh, renders him ugly. Um, It is, uh, in that time, incurable. It is debilitating. Um, It is awful physically. So he lives with this this physical condition uh, that has gotten worse and worse, that has radically impacted his daily experience of life. All right? But really, as I thought about it this week, it's, it's not the physical reality, but it's, it's the other deeper reality. We need to know what this would mean for this man socially. Okay, Because of this physical condition, this man would have lived a completely isolated life for the sake of the health of the community. He would be quarantined outside the community, completely isolated from everybody. In the Old Testament, we would call it he would have to live outside the camp. Um, And what I hadn't really thought through this until this week is leprosy was the most relationally isolating condition in the first century. So we'll see people who are deaf or who are blind in the gospels, who are lame and they're coming to Jesus and they have a really hard situation. But leprosy was much more isolating relationally because it was thought to be highly contagious, whether it was or not. It's not quite as contagious as they thought. So this this man would have had to have been separated from all the people. He lived outside of the city, completely isolated from all community because of his condition. And, and with, with that, I want to think like the, not just the social implications, but the deeper spiritual stigma that would have surrounded this man. Okay, I notice this. Look at this uh, in the passage this uh, in verse t- uh, 12, he says to Jesus, if you're willing, what does he say? You can make me what? Clean. 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 He does not say you can make me well or you can heal, but, but you can make me clean. And clean, I think, runs a lot deeper than just well. You can heal me, but you can make me clean in the community again. Because this man has been deemed unclean by the community. Spiritually, uh, ritualistically unclean. He is, because of this defilement, he is regarded as impure and unclean in the people of God. So you have to understand the Old Testament background for this. You know, God calls Israel out of Egypt, right, out of slavery. He brings them into the promised land. He gives them all of these laws. And one of the fundamental uh, issues, laws that he's giving them is, be holy as I am holy. I want you guys to be holy and set apart, I want you to be set apart from the nations around you, set apart from things that are impure and unholy. And part of the law, there there's all these ritualistic laws that were meant to keep the people pure, to keep them separated from things that were impure. And so they had to remove the things that were defiled and impure from among them. So if you are to go back to Leviticus, we won't read it all, but Le- Leviticus, there's Two chapters, chapters 13 and 14, two full chapters that deal with skin conditions in the community of faith. What happens when you see a rash? You have to go to the priest, and you have to be quarantined for seven days. And you come back, and the priest watches to see if the rash has spread. And you get to see, is this just a rash, or is this an infectious disease? Okay, let me just give you the last verses of of that. It says this. Once you discover that it really is something significant, listen to this description. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Warning everybody, right, of of their situation. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Okay, that is in the Old Testament. That's this man's experience. And then you add to that, there would have been in the first century this general association with diseases like this and sin in general. Now, Scripture would never say this leprosy is a, a direct result of this man's sin. But generally, in first century sentiment, people would have, would have thought, he, there's, he probably did something. This, this skin condition is a result of some sin in this man's life. So this man is what we would call an untouchable, right? He is among the untouchables of the first century. There's this, this stigma. You're unclean. You're infectious. You need to stay away from the community of faith. And, you know, I, I mean, we've all probably seen movies like where, you you know, there's lepers and stuff like that. But, but this week, I, what really hit me, I just started to think about, like, I wonder what this guy's life was like before he got leprosy. Like, was he married? Um, did he have young kids like I have young kids? Who were his friends? Um, what was his job? And, and then to kind of just sit with that. <laughs> Who were his brothers? Who were his parents? And then to imagine what it would be like to be that guy and one day to wake up and to see this, this little rash, you know, somewhere. And to just feel this pit in your belly, wondering, okay, what's going to happen next? And then to sit with that for a week or so and to watch it start to slowly spread. And then to, come, to have to come to a, to a sense of, oh, this is what this is. This is not a rash. And to know what that would entail. And then to slowly watch everything in his life get stripped from him, his health, but more importantly, his relationships, his community. To have to be removed from his wife if he has one, from his children if he has kids, from his brothers and sisters if he has brothers and sisters. To lose his job, to go outside the city and to be completely isolated from everybody. Okay, To, to never be invited to a dinner party, <laughs> to never be able to get a hug, to never be able to hold his kids I mean, to start to think through, like, the practical implications of what his life was like. His, his world was completely stripped from him. His identity was stripped from him. I mean, you read that, that Leviticus, right? He had a name. He had a job. He had a family. But now that was stripped, and he had one identity, which was summed up in the word unclean. This is who I am in this c- cultural context. I am unclean. No human touch. No identity other than leper. Alone, shamed, living with this incurable disease in that day. Look at what he does. Um, Let's look at the second half of verse 12. When he saw Jesus, uh, or let me start at verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a a man came along. Who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I want you to think about what he does. I mean, there's an audacity, there's a boldness. My assumption is he should not be in the town in this moment, right? Jesus is passing through town. He has no business being in the town. So he's taking a great risk. Uh, But he really has nothing to lose, right? He has nowhere to go. He's got nothing to lose. And so there's this audacious, bold move that he makes. He just goes for it. But there's this trust that he displays too. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. We don't know the backstory of how he's seen Jesus, but he's maybe seen him at work or he's heard about him. He's heard there's this prophet who can heal people. And he believes you can do for me what nobody else can do for me. You are my only hope, okay? If you're willing, you can make me clean. There's a boldness and there's this, this trust, this intuitive trust that Jesus can solve his problem, It can help him. And as you look at Luke's gospel, we'll see all these kinds of these uncanny <laughs> types of people: lepers, the blind, the lame, Roman soldiers, Gentiles, these people you'd least expect who are bold with Jesus, who believe, have this this audacious faith, thinking, you can do for me what no one else can. They really have nowhere else to go. And they lean into him, and they go for it. They take a risk. And what we'll find in Luke's gospel is Jesus loves people like that. He absolutely loves those people. He loves the faith exhibit. And these people are presented to us as examples of what true faith looks like. So you have this man who has nothing left, But he has this trust in Jesus, and he just leans and goes for it. He's on the ground, on his face, begging Jesus to heal him. So let's look at Jesus now. I love this. This It's such a short little passage, um, but I love what Jesus does. Verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I love those words of Jesus. I'm willing. (laughs) I am very willing to do for you what you want me to do. In Mark's gospel, in this story, Mark includes the phrase that um, Jesus was moved, or he was filled with compassion for the man. That Jesus is looking down at this guy who's on his face, covered in leprosy, right? Everyone else is repulsed in this moment. But Jesus is looking at this man. He knows exactly what this man's condition must mean for his life. He can see everything that he's had to go through. The loss of friends, family, community, health, identity, all of it. And Mark's gospel tells us his heart just goes out to this man. (laughs) I am willing. I am more than willing to do for you what you want me to do. And my favorite detail, of course, is the beginning of verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched this Man, right? I mean, I think that's what Luke really wants us to see. Okay, Jesus doesn't need to touch this man to heal him, right? The reason I know that is in, in chapter eight, he's going to perform a long distance miracle. Okay, like there's going to be a Roman soldier. He's going to say, "My, I've got this servant back home. He's sick. Could you heal him? Just say the word." And Jesus says, "Fine. He's healed." And it's sort of, you know. Long distance by satellite link, miracle, boom, just says the word. And miles away, something happens. So Jesus does not need to touch this man in order to heal him. So he's obviously being very intentional in reaching out and touching this man. And so we have to ask, what does that touch mean? And I think it's actually interesting to ask that in two ways. First, what would that touch mean to the crowds that were watching? Okay, what would that touch mean? I can guarantee you there was an audible gasp from the crowd, <gasps> right? Right? As Jesus places his hand on this man who is covered with leprosy. That act, of course, renders Jesus ceremonially unclean in the first century. He has now made himself unclean by touching a leper. And even today, when we think of like, when clean comes in contact with unclean, we always say the unclean contaminates the clean, right? Like if you come into church and, and you, you, so there's someone with a cough and you shake hands, no one's thinking, oh, that's good. The healthy person, person will transfer their health to the sick person, right? <laughs> no one says that, right? We don't think that. That's not how, how clean, cleanliness and uncleanness. If, if someone's covered in dirt, they hug a person who's clean. No oh, cleanliness is moving to this man. No. Right? But with Jesus, it works the other way. Jesus encounters the unclean and he he gives him his wholeness and his cleanness. And Jesus is not rendered unclean in any significant way. And this man is rendered clean. But that's that, that touch would mean that to the crowds. But of course, I think the most important question is, what would that touch have meant to that man? And what I was thinking this week is, this might be the first time this man has received physical touch in years. And if you think about what it would be like to live without any human touch. And some people have this experience. But to never be hugged, to never have a handshake, never have a hand placed on your back. And most likely, this man has not received any physical touch. And you're certainly not by any healthy person. And so what would that have been like for this, for him to be on his face and to have heard about Jesus, who's this miracle worker, this guy who's popular, gained, you know, notoriety as this, as this prophet and religious leader. To not only be healed by him, but to actually experience being touched. To have his hand placed upon you. To experience Jesus' physical compassion and comfort and presence. What I like to call his physical hospitality. It's a physical expression of his welcoming this man into relationship. Real human contact and love and affection for this man. And as we read Luke's gospel, we'll see that Jesus likes to do this with people. He likes to bring his physical touch to people. He'll take a a mom's son who has died and touch and heal. Uh, This woman who's been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, he'll lay his hands on her. Or the children, little children will come to him. He'll grab them in his arms. He'll put his hands on their heads and bless them. Even the soldier's ear that Peter cuts off. Jesus will come and touch his, his ear. It's, it's this very tangible hospitality, this warmth and compassion and connection with people. I am willing. Experience my presence and be clean. And immediately it says, right? Immediately the leprosy leaves him. He is healed of his leprosy. And because he is healed of leprosy, he is also made clean. And what I really saw this, this week is Jesus is not just doing a physical healing. What he's doing is he is bringing this man back into community. He is rendering him acceptable again to his friends and family and synagogue and, and town community. He, this, is an, this is a radical act of hospitality, inviting this man back in. You are acceptable. You are clean. Come receive healing and fellowship. And so Jesus sends this man immediately, verse 14, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So in the Old Testament, if you were somehow healed of a skin disease or if it got better, there was this sort of week-long process where you would present yourselves to the priest they'd actually come out of the town to see you and uh, they would look at the skin disease and if it had gotten better they'd wait another seven days if it was finally better then there was animal sacrifices you'd offer all these ways but it was a formal way to be invited back into the community to be declared clean and acceptable again and so Jesus has this man go through this again so that he can be fully reintegrated into his community beautiful picture so that's the story. It's pretty, pretty simple and I think pretty beautiful. This, you see in Jesus this heart of compassion and care. And this is just one example of so many. I, I use this as just an example of so many of the stories where, where Jesus is opening the doors of the kingdom of God to all these people that society at the time had deemed unacceptable saying you are acceptable. You are made clean through me. Now enter into the kingdom. Be a part of the family of God. If you look um, two stories after this, look at verse 27 of our chapter, chapter 5. Here you have um, the calling of Levi, or we know him better as Matthew, the tax collector. And I see these two stories are, as perfect parallels. Really, Jesus is doing the same thing. He's taking two unclean people and making them clean and and inviting them into the people of God. The leper has a physical um, you know, uncleanness. Matthew has a spiritual uncleanness. As a tax collector, he would have been deemed absolutely unclean by his fellow countrymen. He would have been shunned. He would have been, there would have been a stigma attached to him. And Jesus offers that same hospitality to him. And then that story ends with Jesus engaged in a dinner party with him and all of his unclean friends. And the Pharisees, you know, the religious leader of the day, they hate this. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Look at verse 31. Jesus answers them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. To the religious leaders, um, Jesus is contaminating himself by being with these people. And Jesus is saying, these are the kinds of people I came to be with. Doctors are around sick people. That's how it works. But what, I, what I, I see these two stories is really getting at the same thing, one from a physical, one from a spiritual standpoint. But what you see, as, as Luke will go on, is you'll see the religious elite of the day, and you'll contrast them with Jesus, and what their definitions of holiness, be holy as I am holy, what we talked about, what their definitions of holiness are. For the religious elite, they will define holiness, holiness in terms of separation. Okay? Holiness is defined in terms of separation. You separate yourself from certain behaviors, of course, and then you also separate yourself from people who perform those behaviors. That's how you remain pure. That's how you remain clean. And of course, what comes along with that is a lot of pride and judgmentalism. For Jesus, he will say, no, 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 that's not right. Holiness is defined in terms of compassion. The holiness in the heart of God is defined in terms of compassion and love and hospitality. And grace and mercy, especially on people who need it most. That's what, holy, that's what the holiness of God is all about. It's about loving God and loving neighbor as yourself. Two radically different definitions of holiness. So, that's the story. I was thinking this week, as far as I'm concerned, there's two ways that we can process this story. And both are very appropriate. But I want to walk us through this, and we'll close. Um, for us today, the two very appropriate ways to, to process this story. The first way is um, to recognize uh, ourselves in this man who has leprosy. <laughs> as strange as that, that may sound. Um, but to recognize ourselves in him and to recognize that that his condition apart from Jesus is the same as my condition, my spiritual condition apart from Jesus. Um, I had this really profound experience about 15 years ago. Um, I was single at the time, I was in my mid-20s, and um, I went to this uh, art museum, and they're having an, an exhibit on leprosy, and there are these photographs of these leper colonies. And I, so I found myself in a room in this museum, and there was no one else in the, in the room at the time, and I'm looking at these pictures of people with leprosy. And I had like this, it was honestly one of these, one of these few very profound spiritual moments where it was like, I felt like this God just like hit me. And I'm looking at these pictures and in a very real way, all of a sudden I was like, that is us. Like what I'm looking at, that this is the human condition. This, this is me. Like this is a this is a perfect physical representation of the human condition of our hearts that we have these hearts that are leprous, we have this this disease this natural propensity it is degenerative it is incurable, okay it renders us unfeeling like that that is us, and it's one thing to to just kind of acknowledge that theologically yes human we all know that humans are sinners but. For some of us in this room this morning, what I want to say is some of us are experiencing that in a real way right now in our lives. Like that word unclean is something that we, is, is heavy on our hearts um, because of things that we have done in our lives or, or maybe things that we're doing right now that we are engaged in this season of our lives um, that, are, that are dirty, that are, that are unclean. Um, or some of us, things that have been done to us um, throughout our lives that leave us with this, this feeling of, of unclean. And, and most of us, if we, if we carry that, <laughs> we carry it in secret, right? We're not, we're not broadcasting it. So it's this feeling that we carry inside of us as we keep going about our lives, as we keep coming to church, as we keep going to Bible study, as we keep singing these songs, as we keep putting on a good face, as we meet people. Um, but underneath it, there is this thing that we carry. Oh, there's a part of me that is, it's unclean, it's, it's shameful, it's, it's dirty, it's unacceptable, it's unforgivable, it's inexcusable, whatever that is. And so we just kind of carry that. And we just kind of keep going, just kind of plug along with the sense of, I, I'll, never, I'll always be kind of second class Christian. But I, there's a part of me that I, that I, can, I could never forgive myself for. And so I, I want I to I encourage you today. You know, I'm, let, me, let me put up this, this image again. That there's parts of us where we, we feel this. And I, I think of that man's statement to Jesus. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. That there are parts of our lives where I think we would say, I, I, Lord, I really want to believe this. Like, I, I really want to believe this. I Honestly, I'm not sure if I believe it, but I want to believe it. And I just want to remind us all, I want to remind myself um, of the good news today. The good news is this. There is not an instance in Luke's gospel or any gospel where a person comes to Jesus in this posture of wanting him to cleanse them where he turns them away. Never once does he say, no, I'm not willing. Stay unclean. <laughs> to those who, who say, I, I've got nowhere else to go. I've got nothing to lose. I'm here. Only you can help me. Every single time, Jesus says, I am willing. I am so willing. Be clean. Be forgiven. That's why I came. I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. I came to forgive. Be forgiven. And so you might be here today, and and there's a particular area of your life where you need to hear that. I am willing. I'm not only able, but I want to. You're forgiven once and for all. You are clean and acceptable. In my sight, you are no longer unclean. Scripture could not be more explicit about this. First John, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he'll forgive us our sins, and here's this word, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I want to encourage us to, wherever you identify with this idea of being unclean, go to Jesus today, experience the gospel again, Experience it for the first time, however you need to experience it. He's willing. He is able. He is faithful. Be clean. And then finally, I'd like to just leave us, um, in a sense, identifying with Jesus as well. As Jesus followers, we are to be his hands and feet in this world today, right? Um, This is what it says of Jesus. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And this is the role of the church in the world today, okay? We cannot heal, most of us, the way Jesus did. We cannot even cleanse and and render forgiveness the way that Jesus can. But we can absolutely reach out to people. We can offer hospitality, physical hospitality, relational hospitality, friendship, comfort, support. And for some of you today, maybe you... You need to think about, how can I do this? And it's, it's kind of dramatic. Like, I need to think about this in a dramatic way. Like, who are the untouchables in society today? Who are the, or at least in my mind, who are the untouchables? Who are the people that I'm like, there's a stigma about them. And what would it look like instead of pulling away and separating myself? What would it mean to, look, to lean into those kinds of people? Whatever that might be for you. Some people, it might just be someone with a very different cultural context, cultural background, or a different sexual orientation or a different socioeconomic level, a different political persuasion. I mean, gosh, let's get crazy here, right? Who are the people that I naturally, I want to separate from? There's a stigma that I see them as unclean in some way. And what would it look like instead to offer compassion? I don't agree with them, but what is compassion? What does reaching out look like? Hey, the church, at its best, has always done this beautifully, has reached out to those in the world that the rest of the world deems the untouchables. The church has always been on the front lines of offering that kind of care, at its best, of course. And of course, it could be dramatic or it could be something far more subtle than what I just said. It might just be like, hey, who, who's living an isolated life around me right now? Like, as I think about the people in my life, who's lonely? Who does not have a lot of fellowship? Um, who is experiencing sadness or grief? Or maybe shame. Who has a, a stigma attached to them? It could be very simple. How can I reach out to them? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus? And, and the answers can be so simple. It might just be listening to someone longer at work. Like here's a person in my work context. You know, I could listen. I could listen a little better. I could offer that kind of hospitality. And maybe inviting someone over to dinner. And uh, maybe just verbally affirming someone who probably rarely gets that. Uh, you can do this right after the service, out on the patio. You can look for people. Um, these are, there's, there's dramatic and there's very simple ways to do this, in big and small ways. But I think in our cultural moment today especially, how great would it be if the world looked at Christians and saw us defining holiness not by our separation, but by our compassionate care for all those who need it. I think that's what we're called to be as Jesus followers. All right, let's pray, and then we're going to celebrate communion as a way of processing this together. Lord, I love those words, I am willing, be clean. And um, I pray that for any of us in this room, and for all of us in this room, wherever we need to experience the reality of your compassion, your love, your forgiveness, and then the reality of your cleansing, that we can be made clean, white as snow, forgiven, no condemnation. I pray that your spirit would work in those places of shame, and Guilt and isolation, addiction, to bring healing and freedom to us. And Lord, move us out into the world, into our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our friendships, this church even right here, um, to offer that kind of relational hospitality and care and compassion to those who need it, Lord. Give us courage to do that. Give us uh, eyes to see people the way you see them, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.